Over this Advent period, we've been looking at the three gifts that were brought by the wise men, the Magi. And this week, it's frankincense. Hence, the Febreze. It's the nearest thing we could get. The more I read about this and the more I see the use of it, it's not surprising that the Catholic Church still use incense and swing it about. Maybe that's not such a bad thing after all. So this week we're going to be thinking, what is the gift of frankincense? What does it signify? What were the wise men thinking about bringing that gift? Does it have some kind of meaning? The Bible doesn't actually tell us what the meaning is, but when we start to delve into the Bible, we can find out the meaning for ourselves. We're going to read a passage, first passage we're going to look at is Luke chapter 1, verses 5 to 25. Listen to it, it's going to be read to us by Benny and Ancuta, who are the pastors of Agape Christian Fellowship in Navadar, in Constanta, who we're now partnering with, and a few of us, Richard and Keith and a few, John and Judith and myself, are going down there at the end of January. We've asked them to read this passage, and they're going to bring their greetings. The, the passage is about the foretelling of the birth of John the Baptist. We're reading this because it shows the role of the priest, John the Baptist's father, and it also is the great build-up to the momentous event of the coming of the Saviour. Thank you. Hello, this is Pastor Benny and Pastor Ancusa. We want to greet you in Jesus' name, and we want to bring you uh, a message from the Gospel of Luke. Luke 1, 5-25 the birth of John the Baptist foretold. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of the incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord and in the spirit of the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and uh, disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? Am I an old man and my wife is well along in years? The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words which will come true at the appointment time. Meanwhile, the people who were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long into the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. 
they realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but reminded, unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disagree among the people. We would like to pray for you that the Lord will bring miracles in your life as a praying in Zechariah's life. And we'd like to wish you a Merry Christmas and don't forget Jesus is the reason for the season. May the Lord bless you and we'd like to say a Happy New Year for all of you. We love you and we pray for you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. What lovely people they are. It's really good to hear their voices and we look forward to seeing them in the new year. We're going to read another passage in a few moments which links us to the role of the priest and what has happened since Jesus came. But before we get to that, in that passage, we see that Zechariah, he went out to start the worship off, and he started it off with using incense. And it would seem that the incense signified the role of the priest and the work of God. The role of the priest, effectively, was to connect man to God. And we're thinking this morning of the gift of a priest, that Jesus, in coming into the world, was not just the saviour of the world, and a king, but he was also a priest. Now, how many of you on Thursday of this week failed to get a connection on your mobile phone? Not as many as I thought, but a good third, maybe half of the congregation this morning. Now, I don't know about you, but I was trying and I was wondering what was going on, pressing and scrolling to try and find out what had happened. Not, of course, that I use my phone very often, but... <laughs> and the more you pressed and the more you fiddled about with it, the more you realise there was a problem. And of course, we all know what the problem was, that O2, who have about 32 million customers in the UK, directly or indirectly, had had a 4G failure. And you may be interested to know that 90% of the population up to 45 years of age have smartphones now, so they're all at it. And 85% of 45 to 55-year-olds have smartphones. 64% of 55 to 65-year-olds have smartphones. And it doesn't tell you, if you're over 65, how many what percentage is. I've just kind of broken that barrier now. So, But there was uproar. People were walking around. They couldn't pay for their Uber taxis. Bus stops didn't have the signs working that are all Wi-Fi driven. It was an absolute disaster, really, for so many people. We ground to a halt when we couldn't get our data, when we couldn't connect... And my question to you this morning, as we look into this passage, in this thought that Jesus came to be our great connector, our great high priest, the super priest, if you like. How much are we connected to God? We crave connection on the go, don't we? How much are we connected to God? How much is our country connected to God? That's why we're praying tomorrow night that there would be a divine Wi-Fi put between the House of Commons, the parliamentarians and God. That we would connect with God, that our nation would connect with God, that our families would connect with God, that our communities would connect with God. That's what Jesus came to be. He came to be that great connector. So where does that come from in the Old Testament? Well, uh, in Exodus chapter 30 we read this. The Lord said to Moses, and I'm, I'm reading from the message, 
Mix the spices in equal proportions to make an aromatic incense, the art of the perfumer, salted and pure, holy. Now crush some of it into powder and place some of it before the Ark of the Covenant in the tent meeting where I will meet with you. It will be for you the holiest of holy places. So this business of bringing incense and burning it seemed to signify the meeting place of God and man. It was just that the smell, and we know how powerful smells are. You smell something and things come to mind. And I think the whole purpose of this was that God would want us to be drawn into thinking and worshipping and connecting with him through that smell of the incense. Frankincense was just one of those that was mixed with the spices. It was a meeting place where God is is holy. And so where we meet with God is a holy place. We remember when Moses met with God and saw the burning bush, God said, take the shoes from off your feet because you're standing on holy ground. Because where God is, is holy. This morning, this is holy ground. Nothing special about the building or any of us who are leading the service. But this is a holy place this morning. If you're here as a visitor, or you're here for the first time, or you just come and go. We welcome you here this morning. Jesus welcomes you here this morning. He is here. This is holy ground. This is a place. This is a great data center where we can connect with God. Just allow the Holy Spirit to connect with you. Just as we had that connection restored later on Thursday and Friday, we're able to real connect with people again. Allow God to connect with you. So the role of the priest came from Aaron, Moses' brother. He was appointed by God. Him and his family, the Levi family, were the family of priests. And the priests performed regular duty for standing before God day after day and week after week and month after month and year after year. But only Aaron, only the high priest, the top man, (laughs) went into the very holy of holy places where he met with God on one day once a year, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, where they again would burn Incense before the Lord and sprinkle sacrificial animal blood to expiate their own sins and the sins of the people. The high priest would go in and he'd have a rope tied to his leg in case he he was struck down by God. And the people would then pull him out because no one else was allowed to go in. This was a holy place. So today, the frankincense that the wise men brought signifies... Jesus as our great high priest. This is the fulfillment of all that happened over many, many years. And the fantastic thing this morning is as Jesus takes the place of Aaron as a great high priest, if you like, his Levite family who were the priests, Jesus' family now becomes the priests. So this morning, just look at the person next to you. Take a good look. If you are a believer this morning... You are a priest this morning. Jesus is the high priest and you are the new priestly order. Listen to what Peter says in his letter. This is speaking to Christians. You are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. There's the proof of that. You are a priest. You are a chosen people, Peter says, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful life. 
You see, there's a transition from the old to the new, from Aaron and the Levites to Jesus and the church. We are the new priestly order. So when you come to God, you don't need to go through a special person anymore. You don't need to come to me or Glenn or, or an elder. You don't need to go to a vicar to come to God. You have direct access to God now through the great high priest that is Jesus. What wonderful news that is today for us all. That we can have access at any time, in any place. And we can come to Jesus, the great high priest. And he calls us as disciples, as priests, to be those great connectors. He says, go into the world and connect with your community, with your family. Bring Jesus. One of the things that, that I wasn't intending to talk about, but came to me as we were singing this morning and thinking about the role of frankincense, was the priests, as they dealt with the incense would go home, and what would they smell like? They would smell of incense. They would smell of frankincense. You know, days of people used to smoke a lot. If you need someone who was a smoker, even if they hadn't had a cigarette for a while, you could smell the smoke on them, couldn't you? Sorry, no offence if anybody still smokes here this morning. But you know what I mean? The aroma sticks, and it carries. So the priest, when he went home, Zachariah and Elizabeth... You heard in the passage, they were descendants of Aaron. It says that in the passage that we read. When they went home, people would know what they'd been up to because they'd been smelling of the presence of God that was indicative and implicit in the frankincense. I wonder, as priests this morning, I'm looking at a, I don't know what the collective noun for priests is, a priesthood, (laughs) probably, of priests this morning. When you go to your place of work, when you go back home to your family, Are you carrying the fragrance of Christ, the great high priest? Or is it a smell of something else? We bring the smell of life, Paul says in Corinthians, to a place that smells of death. Jesus is the great high priest. Paul says in 1 Timothy 2, there's one mediator, there's one connector between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 7. I've got a few points that I want to bring to you this morning in the remaining 10 or 15 minutes about the role of the priest and how it fits into our lives. So I want to read Hebrews chapter 7 verses 23 to 28. So I've tried to explain very briefly the kind of transition from the old to the new. This passage here written by an unknown writer explains a little bit about that in this complex but very significant and powerful issue. Verse 23. Now there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office, but because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest, that's Jesus, meets our need, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priests men who are weak, but the oath which came after the law appointed the son who has been made perfect forever. So what does this mean to us today? The first point I want to make this morning is that Jesus, as our high priest, is the real deal. It's said in verse 27 of the passage you've just read, that priests in the past had to come and deal with their own sins 
before they could deal with the sins of the people. But Jesus didn't have to deal with his own sins because he didn't have any. He was the fulfillment. He was the thing that the whole of the Old Testament and all the history had been pointing towards. So he was qualified to bear our sins. The Bible says he bore our sins in his own body on the tree. He was the real deal. And now we come to God through Jesus, not through any man. He's like the super priest. This work that Jesus has done as the priest is not a temporary measure. We read in that passage in Hebrews that up until now this was a temporary measure in the Old Testament. It had to be repeated day after day. The sacrifice and the coming to God had to be repeated week in or week out. But now, with Jesus, only one sacrifice was necessary because he was the Lamb of God with no sin. So he was able to make one sacrifice. This was the end of history. No longer do we need any sacrifices to be made for sin because Jesus has made the one sacrifice. And the amazing thing is that sacrifice that Jesus made 2,000 years ago outside of Jerusalem's city walls, his death, the blood that was shed and his resurrection is still as powerful today to save you and to deliver you as it was when he made it. Today, if you've never realized that and maybe understood that, today is a day when you can give your life to Christ, when you can realize that his sacrifice, one sacrifice, can take away your sin and can take away your guilt. The problem with the old sacrifices is because they were made by sinful people and they were made with animals. They were just a kind of temporary stopgap. They were an elastoplast on the problem. And now the real deal has come because the old sacrifices could never take away guilt. They could never take away the effect of sin. But today we can sit and stand in God's presence with guilt-free consciences because of what Jesus has done, one sacrifice that he has made. And there's another interesting point here. In the past, the priests stood on behalf of the Hebrew nation. They stood on behalf of Israel. What happened to the nations outside? Well, they could become Jewish if they wanted to, but most didn't. The priests were acting on behalf of Israel. Jesus stands on behalf of the whole world. So that you are here this morning because of this wonderful explosion and expansion of the priestly role of Jesus. Because most of us here are Gentiles. We're non-Jewish. As Paul says in Ephesians, we were outside of the promises of God and we're outside of the covenants of promise. We could not involve ourselves in this. But because Jesus came to fulfill the promises that were made to Abraham all those years ago, that through him all nations of the earth will be blessed. In fact, that was fulfilled in Jesus because Jesus has come to bring salvation to everyone. doesn't matter what your background is, doesn't matter what your education is, doesn't matter what your colour is, doesn't matter where you come from, doesn't matter whether you're Jewish or Gentile, doesn't matter what age you are. The all-encompassing work of Jesus means that whoever comes and calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. This priest, this high priest, is the real deal. So I ask the question, what's our problem with our connection here? Are we connected to the real deal? Are we connected to our great high priest? And the problem for some of us is sin. Sin is a barrier to receiving God's forgiveness. It's a barrier to being part of his family. And so today, if you're outside of God's family, if you wouldn't maybe call yourself a Christian, if you're not quite sure, You need to repent and turn and follow Christ 
to come to him and allow that sacrifice that took place 2,000 years ago to cleanse you and forgive you. And it doesn't matter how far you've gone from God, it doesn't matter who you are in terms of what you've done, God will accept you and turn his back on no one. That is amazing, isn't it? And some of us think, well, you know, if I was God, I wouldn't forgive me. Put yourself in the place of God. I know how bad I am, and therefore, how could God possibly forgive me? You know, the truth is that God's forgiveness is for everyone. And it doesn't matter how red or dark your sin is. Jesus' sacrifice enables you to be forgiven. But as Christians, sometimes we are held back in our lives by unforgiven sin and unrepented sin. Listen to what David says in Psalm 66. He says, if I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened to me. There's a sense in which as Christians, we sometimes allow things in our lives to to happen and take place and we do not confess them when they're wrong. Uh, we don't repent. And confession and repentance is something that sometimes evangelicals and charismatics are bad at. We think it's religious, but actually it's not. It's something we should do regularly and get into the habit of saying to God, look, I'm sorry, I got that wrong today. Please forgive me. And come to him as regularly, as often as we need to and receive his forgiveness. One of the most wonderful verses in the Bible is this, in John's letter. It's written to Christians, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So as we take communion in a few moments' time, this would be a good thing to do, to come and confess what we've done wrong. To come and say sorry and allow the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, to forgive us and cleanse us afresh. Sometimes we're too casual. The writer of the Hebrews says that it's the sin that does so easily beset us. Sorry about the King James Version. That that sometimes gets a hold of us and and, and we do it again and, and we find we struggle with it. This morning, we have the great connector. And he's more than any 4G. And he can deal with that. He can deal with that when we come to him in our honesty. Walking in unforgiveness can sometimes place us in a position where God can't bless us just the way he would like to. Now, please don't get this wrong. It doesn't mean that if we're in a tough place, it's because of sin. That doesn't mean that. I don't mean that at all. And we can look for a moment at the passage that Benny and Ancuda have read in Luke, when Zechariah and Elizabeth, they were in a tough position. They were childless. The passage that we read says that they were both upright and observed all the Lord's commands and regulations. So they were not in a place where they were needing repentance. They were following everything that the Lord had required them to do. They were upright people. For them, it was a situation that they just had to bear with, knowing that and trusting that the Lord would deal with it in his own good time. Now, sometimes God doesn't come through the way we want it to be. We know that. Sometimes God has something better in mind. But we note that it didn't stop Zechariah and Elizabeth continuing to perform their work. They continued to perform their work before the Lord faithfully. It said they continued to pray. We don't know what they prayed. Their hearts would have been broken because in that society not to have children was a disgrace. It says at the end of the passage that the Lord had lifted their disgrace. But God had a better plan. Maybe sometimes when we're in tough times and we're waiting for God to come through the way we want, sometimes God's got something better for us that we had never thought about before. For them, who could have thought that God was going to give them John the Baptist as a child? No wonder it says he'll bring great joy. 
He was going to be the forerunner. He was going to be born filled with the Holy Spirit at birth. He was going to be the one who says, prepare the way of the Lord. Look, the Lord is coming. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That was John the Baptist. He was the great herald of the gospel. They could never have thought in a million years that that was going to be their role. Sometimes we need to have enough faith to know that if things are not working quite the way we want them now, God might just have something better in mind for us. This is the one that we've been waiting for. So today, get your connection up to full strength. BT are going around upgrading their Wi-Fi to give you the fastest broadband. Okay, we'll stop with the illustration. We can get fast broadband today. Get plugged in. Get the Holy Spirit plugged in. Ask God today. Upgrade your connection today and make sure you do it regularly. That's the first point. Jesus as our great high priest is the real deal. Don't worry, the all won't be as long. The second one from this passage is he's always around. There's two little points of this. So first of all, unlike the old priests who had their time slots, who came and went and they did it in their own, Jesus as our great high priest is open 24-7. You know, you can pray to him at night, you can pray with him morning, you can come to him at any time. His line is never engaged. He's never gone out for lunch. He's always there. Think about that. You can come to the God who created the universe at any time you want. Seven billion people on the planet could do the same. There's a connection issue for you. But God can hear them all at the same time and lovingly deal with them all. How does that work? Well, of course, we have no idea. But God does. He is God. And he loves you. And he's interested in the intimate parts of seven billion lives on this planet at the same time. He's always around. He's available. God's never too busy doing something else than to listen to you. In verse 25 of Hebrews 7 that we read, it says that he always lives to intercede. And one of the interpretations of that is it's available. That he's always around. It's never inconvenient. The priests in the past had their schedules. Jesus is now exalted at the right hand of the majesty and high. He rose from the dead and now stands as intercessor, as our great high priest. We have total access to him and he hears our prayers. Note that when Zechariah and Elizabeth were spoken to, when Gabriel came and told them about John the Baptist, that one of the things that Angel said was, your prayers have been heard. I guess they must have thought for many years, we're praying We're doing the stuff, I wonder. The evidence is nothing's happening. Nobody's getting pregnant here. But Gabriel says, your prayers have been heard. God is always listening and he's always around. So what's the problem with our connection here? It may be that Jesus, the great high priest, is available 24-7. But how available are we to do our bit to come to him? How reluctant are we? Do we get too busy to, to, to spend time with him? I know that's a very basic point, but it's so important that if we are to connect, we need to switch on. You can't connect without having a connection. Let's get switched on. Because the hymn says, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to him in prayer. Sometimes the burdens and pains that we have, Jesus wants to lift them. Come unto me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I want to give you rest get connected through prayer the other aspect of always being around is that this role that jesus has as our great high priest is 
permanent. Verse 24 of Hebrews 7 says he lives forever. Jesus, the son of God, never had any beginning of days. He was after the order of Melchizedek for the theologians. He had no beginning of days and he will have no end of life. He was forever, he is now, and he is forevermore. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. All of the priests in the past died. They had their day, their office died with them. But Jesus never dies. He died and rose again, and he lives forever. Praise the Lord. And because of that, his priesthood as our great high priest is perfect. Here's the thing. But because Jesus lives, we will live also. And so, one day when we go, we're going through a veil. I know some of our friends here have been to a funeral. Someone who died very young. And I believe that celebration service was just that, because that Christian lady who died, she was only 35, was a missionary, died of cancer. Tragically in one sense, but it's a veil that she's gone through. And she is now enjoying today the presence of Jesus, the one who lives forever and the one who gives eternal life, which means life forever. Our connection with this great high priest is never going to fail. It's never going to have a Thursday event And our salvation, because of that, is eternally secure. Life eternal is secure. We get let down in this life by others who make their commitments to us with their best intentions. And sometimes we do that for people as well. Jesus' role as our high priest is eternal and will never let us down. So what's the problem with our connection here? Maybe our faith is weak because of disappointment. Like perhaps Zachariah and Elizabeth got disappointed. Let us get our connection brought up to speed here because he is the eternal one who lives forever. And the third and final little point for you, the gift of a priest not only means that Jesus was the real deal, always around, but that he always completes. In verse 25 of Hebrews 7, it it says, he is able to save completely, or as the King James says, to the uttermost. (laughs) The job is full and done. In the past, the priests did their best, but it was never a complete job. It was always pointing forward to something that was going to come. And what God has started in each of us, that salvation that he started, which is growing, if you like, being worked out, is something that is a completed work. There's nothing else that needs to be done. And one day, we will see him face to face. The Bible says it's like we look at him through a glass darkly now, but soon and eventually we will see him face to face. What God has started in us, he will complete. And Paul says in Philippians, he is confident that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. So what's the problem with our connection here? Have we grown weary? Have we grown cynical? Have we grown skeptical? Is our faith low? Because the promise is that what God has started in us, he will see it to completion. We may be discouraged, but the message this morning is don't give up because God is on our case. I think this morning there is unfinished business in the house today. Some people are maybe failing, just nearing quitting whatever they're doing for God or discouraged or winding down because sometimes we don't see God working quite the way we want. And God would say to us this morning that we have a great high priest in Jesus who is a one who when he starts a job, he will finish it. And this morning he says, come on, get connected to the great high priest because he will see you through to completing the job in hand. Frankincense, the symbol of the priest. And today, that great high priest, Jesus, stands amongst us. 
and says to us as priests, come on, get close to me. Get the scent of the frankincense on you. Act as priests. Jesus is the real deal. He's the one that's always around and he's the one that completes the job. Let's come to him today and let's renew our connection. If you've never connected with Jesus before, today could be your day. You just need to come. You just need to admit you got it wrong and repent and turn away from your sin and ask him to come in and be your saviour. If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, Paul says in Romans 10, you will be saved and start that great connection to the great high priest, the one who will see us through our lives and the one who lives forever. As we go out of here today, let's take that smell of the great high priest and his work with us as we go out to our communities. Amen. Perhaps we could just reflect on what God has been saying to us this morning. Don't switch off your connection. Be connected to the great high priest this morning as an act of worship and in reflection.